backwards logic with the brain. Our brains have us lash out and do things in a panic, but that's a hundred percent of the time what gets you injured, right? When you're in a, a in an area of no control or in a place of no control. So we have to recondition that natural response to be able to control ourselves and keep ourselves as safe as possible. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Spill the Cheer, the number one cheerleading podcast in the world. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you subscribe for wherever you're listening, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, please do. And if you don't want to, then I don't know what to say. It's recommended, but you don't have to. But please do, because it helps me and it helps you. How? I don't know. But please subscribe. <laughs> what is up, guys? Hey, today's episode, I have a special guest. He's a traveling performance coach specializing in technique, fear management, and performance psychology, helping athletes to build up their confidence through understanding to better outperform said fears. He is a neuroscience enthusiast who shares his obsession for understanding fear on his podcast, The Fearless University. You can find him on Instagram where he's most active throughout the day. And he also wrote a book called Outperforming Fear. This is Coach Lane. Coach, what's up? What's going on, brother? Thanks for having me on, Tony. No, thank you for being part of the number one cheerleading podcast in the world. The number one cheerleading podcast in the yeah. world. Spill the cheer, ladies facts. and gentlemen. Let's go. It's facts. It's facts. Um, Coach, tell me more. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. Because we did talk well, about off camera, but yeah. now it's for the people that are new listening. So, uh, name is Coach Lane Lee. Um, man, almost 20 plus years in the industry. Uh, used to be an all-star cheer coach and then uh, decided to go out on my own. And, uh, you know, I, I took a number of years off. I was a graphic designer and uh, felt like I was I felt like I was missing out on being able to add value to people's lives. You know, there was that longing mm -hmm. to do something more. And so I said, OK, you know what, I'm, I'm going to step back into this cheerleading world. But if I do, I want to do it my way. I don't want to be tied down to one gym or one program. I don't want to have to worry about uh, any rivalries or mm -hmm. you know, anything like that. I want to be able to float in between every situation and uh, kind of be a go to guy. Um, and your performance coach, right? Performance coach. Yeah, I, I, I didn't always. Uh, designate myself as a performance coach that's been more recent like in the last three or four years okay yeah and um yeah so what's what's so what do you do as a performance coach exactly for the people that are that don't know what what it means i would say like performance coaching is where you specialize in in one uh -huh. particular thing right where you focus not just on the physical performance but the mental the emotional uh, I would even argue like the spiritual uh, mm -hmm. performance of an athlete, you know, because all of these things go together to comprise the athlete's performance. So for me, I focus uh, very heavily on emotional intelligence um, on, you know, like I said, if, if the spiritual side, and it doesn't have to be religious spirituality, but just, you know, the person's spirit, you know, um, and then very heavily on the mental side of their performance. I mean, you wrote a book. When was it released? It was released uh, December. I don't even know the exact day. I think I had it slated for December 29th of 2019. 
And I think, uh, yeah, I met that deadline. It was like 9 a.m. And by the end of the day, I think I had uh, 40 downloads, which was huge for me. Yeah. You know, just just to have that kind of interaction and see that there were people out there that were waiting uh, to to read what I had put on paper. Was um, a book something you always wanted to have out there? Not necessarily wanted to, but it was something I thought that I could do. And then it got down to a point where I was like, okay, now I should do this, right? Mm -hmm. where, where you realize that you are, uh, whether intentionally or unintentionally, you are specializing in one particular idea or philosophy or methodology. Um, and then I was also repeatedly on a daily basis, repeatedly getting messages from athletes, parents, and coaches um, asking me to speak on the very thing that I would end up writing the book on. Mm -hmm. And so it, what it did is it also allowed me to produce this content, this piece of content where I could say, Hey, I hear your struggles and I hear what you're asking for, the advice you're asking for, check out my book. And so what that allowed me to do was then say, almost like a filter, um, for the people who would reach out, I'd say, read the book first and then come back and let's talk about an action plan because I really want to see, uh, if you have, if you, if you're even understanding the concepts that I would be throwing at you you mm -hmm. know, while coaching you through a, a particular issue. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I ever, uh, if it was like, I, I always wanted to have a book, but, uh, it got to the point where I realized, okay, I need to write a book because I feel because like a lot I of people to say a lot of people struggle with this, right? Oh yeah. So oh, this, yeah. Could, this is something helpful for those who are struggling with the word that you don't like to say. It's not a mental block, right? Correct. It is. It is uh, performance anxiety. Performance anxiety. Yeah. Now, so for all of you guys wondering where can I find this book, I'll leave that in the description below. But you can also, you can also go to www.coachlane.com and you can get a free book, right? It's completely free. It's free. It's completely free. Dude, um, well, free. There will be a, on, be a future edition, you know, that is not free. But I said, you know what? For the first year, I want to release a free resource for people to uh, to access uh, the future edition is going to have, you know, a workbook, worksheets, mm -hmm. um, some other assets that I that I feel are important things that I've learned people are kind of needing, you know, to go along yeah. with the book or things that I feel like they could, you know, just added value they could get from it. But uh, yeah, now it's not a mental block. It's a performance anxiety. That's interesting. We are going to be talking about this and throughout the episode. But before we start with that, I do want to talk sure. about your whole I mean, your Instagram and your website, you're pro professional. It looks professional. Like the website itself, I mean, the book, you have your own merch. You have been doing this coaching for how long? Like the performance, like you said, four years, right? Right. So, okay. So, the performance coaching and like uh, officially, I've been doing Coach Lane LLC full time for four years, going okay. on four years. And then you travel um, a lot? Yeah. Yeah. Traveled uh, a lot throughout the United States. Uh, been to Sweden a couple of times for oh. this, and then uh, right before COVID uh, took over, we had uh, at least three or four different countries that we were ready to go to with uh, Germany, wow. France. Um, Do you have Mexico. a team behind you, or is it just you? It's just me primarily. Um, I okay. do have a uh, a younger coach that. Uh, comes with me uh, for my international trips and, and a lot of my uh, domestic trips. Shout out mm. to Coach Jay. Uh, Coach Jay? That, that's, that's my dude right there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's, he's probably the most, I'll tell you this, he's a solid guy 
first and foremost, just as a human being, but the only person that I would ever trust to take my philosophies and run with, just like run with it. I could just mm-hmm. say, Jay, you got this. I'm out. And, and knowing that he would have everybody taken care of the same way with the same care and consideration that I would. But, um, yeah, so we, we travel. Um, and then, you know, I'm trying to promote, uh, the, the virtual side of what I do now, which is, has been tremendous, bro. Like you wouldn't believe like the virtual mental performance coaching lessons that I've done. Um, and the, the physical side, you know, I'll have a lot Mm -hmm. of athletes, they come to me for the mental side and then they leave with not only mental growth, but also growth in their skills. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer. Mel Robbins said that, um, confidence is not a trait. It's a skill. Confidence is something that you develop with practice with time. And so uh, you can see from those virtual lessons how the athletes leave with mm-hmm. more confidence because of the practice that we put in uh, or because of the, the um, procedures that we implement into their training. That confidence grows um, not just from the peace of mind from the physical side, being able to control themselves better, being able to execute their skills more efficiently, but also from the mental performance side where they have a greater understanding of what they've been struggling with and how they can take that and then, you know, beef up or ramp up their, their mm-hmm. performance. So it's been, no, it's been I'm, good. Hey, that's, that's amazing. And they can all, and they can find all that information at your website, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, on my, let's see, if you go to coachlane.com slash links, uh, oh. that's a page that I created. It's like a link tree. I created that page so you can basically have quick links to all of the stuff that we've been talking about. My my book, uh, online courses, merch, etc. You can find all of that there. Booking a, re- a remote lesson. So uh, coachlane.com forward slash links. Oh, yes. Well, hey. They're going to want to contact Coach Lane after this episode because <laughs> we're going to be talking about a topic that is very important to a lot of athletes and yeah. Coach Lane, even myself, because I do. I mean, when I was in cheer, which te- technically I, I could go back. But I was going to say, that could be that long ago. Yeah. Okay. Maybe a year and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> but something that I've struggled with is you're going to hate the word mental box. Yep. Something that I've not been educated Maybe that's something that I've always thought a mental block is something that I just, it, it stops me from doing that action, which is my back tuck mm-hmm. my back tuck is, I mean, that's what number one, everyone, I mean, not, not everyone, but for those who do struggle with mental blocks or not mental blocks is a back tuck. And for me, it takes me hours mm. to even try hit one back tuck, one back tuck. Wow. And when I do hit that, it's like, okay, the next one's going to take me 30 minutes. Right. But after that one, it's 20 minutes, 15 minutes, okay. and then it goes on. But tell me more about this book. Let's let's start at the definition of what a mental block actually is, mm-hmm. right? This is a term that the cheer industry abuses v- viciously. And um, it, it's basically the concept of like perpetuating a, a false positive you know like it's i i get where the association comes from but the actual uh rhetoric that is being used to describe what athletes are experiencing is completely false so the definition of a mental block is one's inability to recall some specific uh mental information process or memory right Mm -hmm. so 
if the definition of a mental block is our inability to recall mental information, memory, or process, it has nothing to do with the physical side of what you're doing. Here's where the, the confusion comes in. This is why people feel justified calling their physical inability a mental block because the brain, the human brain has a very unique attribute and ability where it can call into play physical responses to your mental fear, right? It's very important for us to distinguish that there are two types, two main types of fear that we need to talk about. And the problem is we don't specify which fear we're talking about when we're talking about fear. Right. Mm -hmm. Most people just think of fear as this umbrella term to describe anything that we are afraid of. Or, uh, you know, when we're using the word fearless, we're trying to connote this idea that we are completely void of fear. So which is an impossible thing to happen. So the two types of fear that we need to be very specific about biological fear right? Which is the, the natural fear that is intertwined into our DNA, the evolutionary fear that comes from a clear and present danger. So a tiger running at you through the jungle, a gun being pointed at your face, or even you hanging off the side of a cliff, right? Those are clear and present dangers that threaten your physical safety. Your physical yeah, body. That would be messed up. Yeah. That would be messed up. I don't know why those three came to my mind, but I'm trying to think of no, three extreme, makes, you know, three sense. extreme uh, examples. And, and um, it's important to distinguish that uh, biological fear is your body's response to it's your brain's response, right? It's mm-hmm. your brain's response to that clear and present danger. The brain does, it has one job and that's to keep itself alive in order to keep itself alive, it has to keep you alive, right? In mm-hmm. order to keep you alive, it has to keep itself alive. It's like this, you know, this vicious cycle. And so it's going to uh, react. The fight or flight response is your your brain's acute stress response to that biological fear. Um, just quick side note, that's another thing that I, I feel like the rhetoric needs to change with fight or flight. Because, because humans don't, like we don't specify our fear. So when we hear fight or flight, most people will think, oh, well, if I flee, then I'm a coward, right? I'm fearful. Mm-hmm. But if I stand my ground, then I'm fearless. And it's not that at all. With biological fear, any response, biological fear causes action. Yeah. Any response is action. So fight or flight is not fearless or fearful. It is I am witnessing something that could cause me harm. I'm going to take action. Sometimes that action requires me to run. Sometimes that action requires me to stay put. Mm-hmm. Right. So these are just, it's the associations that we need to, that we need to change. What about, what about if someone's doing a back tuck on a cliff? Is that, <laughs> is that biological or is that cause you're in a cliff? It could be dangerous. The, the cliff part, that, that reaction, yeah, that would definitely be biological fear because then you're adding uh, – it's like if you were doing a back tuck on a tightrope on a ball. You know? oh, like you're adding this physical element mm-hmm. that is presenting clear and present danger to the okay. situation. So this, but to, to address the back tuck part, now we're getting into the second type of fear, which is okay. psychological, right? All right. Psychological fear – is what we 
almost all of us, 99% of the time, that's the fear that we're talking about, that we struggle with, is the irrational thoughts that come into our head to try to convince us to abandon our current course of action because psychological fear is a direct response to human discomfort, right? Yeah. Doing a back tuck, and this is one of my favorite words, doing a back tuck is the antithesis of what the brain considers safe. Not only are you jumping backwards, head over heels, but you're doing it blind, right? We all know back skills, backward skills are blind Mm -hmm. skills, right? Because looking at the ground is the last thing that happens. Uh And that's why a lot of athletes, myself included, when I started learning tumbling, when I was a backyard tumbler, I started learning my front punch first because I could see my takeoff, right? And it gave me comfort to know that, oh, yeah, that's where I'm going to take off from. Cool. And then I will see myself. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's, it's, it's a perfect example of how backwards the logic of the brain is when responding to discomfort, right? It'll have you think, oh, if you can see the ground first, it's much safer to try that skill than seeing the, the ground last and, you know, going into a blind. And that's I because, always, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I always think when I'm doing my back test, and this is when I struggle. Yeah. Is I halfway, like half the back tuck and I just stop like halfway. And it's like my neck sometimes hurts from doing that. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's something that I know people struggle. I mean, and when someone's like, you better do it right now. Like there's no, like, for example, uh, I went to try out for a college team, LSU, and they requirements with the back tuck. Right. And, I, and before guys. that, especially for guys. And before that I was working like, this is what I was talking about. Me taking hours to get at least one tuck. My coach, like I would go to the gymnastics practices and practice and practice and practice my back tuck. One of the gymnastics coaches was like, if you don't hit this back tuck in 10 minutes, right, we're done. We're done for two. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need I need the spotter. He's like, no, you're done if you don't hit it. So right. it's like that bet line or that 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 pressure. It's like, all right, I need to hit it. Like there's no like me, like someone not telling me what to do, it would take me hours. But someone telling me you better get this in in, two, in, in a minute. It's like, okay, whatever. I'll just hit it and go. Right. And this is, this is where a lot of athletes struggle, bro, is, is with pressure. Like you hit the nail on the head. And that's what induces a lot of the performance anxiety. So here's why I started making this the distinction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because coming from the design world, you have creative blocks. And then when I moved to the cheer world, you know, we had, I kept hearing mental block, mental block, mental block. And I was like, this is something that many people share. Like everybody's saying that they have this thing. And it's, it's starting to sound like its own pandemic, like, to be honest with you, like it's, it's everywhere. And I was like, there has to be an explanation. Why is it that so many cheerleaders suffer from mental blocks? And the, the, the answer was because that's not what they're suffering from, right? We're not, they're not suffering from, if I asked you, it's fake news. Like Tony, if I asked you how to do a, a back tuck right now, could you not explain it to me from start to finish how it's supposed to happen? I can explain it. Okay, so therefore it is not a mental block because if you had a mental block, you would have trouble recalling the steps because it's okay. a it's a process, right? Mm-hmm. So the physical process, you can explain everything. So it's not a mental block. Yes, there is mental anxiety that is calling into play physical responses, uh, stress, acute stress responses that are confusing you. So it's making you feel like, oh, well, I can't bring my body to do it. It's because your your brain 
is asking your body for help to convince you not to do it, if that makes sense. Right. That's why you start yeah. sweating. That's why you start shaking. That's why, you know, some, some athletes start crying. <laughs> you start your, your breathing gets shallow. You know what I mean? Your, your, your palms get sweaty. Mm-hmm. All of these things, if you think about it, these aren't things that are going to kill you. These aren't even things that are going to cause you harm that your body is doing. If you really think about it. Unless you are, stop halfway and then well, could you possibly you, break your neck? I mean. Oh, yeah. There's, there, let, let me be very, <laughs> let me be oh, yeah. very specific. There, there's a quote from from After Earth. Oh, yeah. It's a Will Smith movie, and he talks about fear in that in that in that movie. And I like some parts of it. And, I, and there's other parts that I think need to be specified. But the, he says to his son in the movie, he says, "Danger is very real, but fear is a choice." And he says, "Do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real. So there is inherent danger to what we do." And while we're doing it, it helps us to be have a respect for that danger. And it, it doesn't matter if you're a cheerleader, if you're a BMXer, you know, like an extreme mm-hmm. sports person, if a mountain climber, whatever you do, you have to respect the danger that is involved in what you do. But the one thing that I that I that I do that's the one thing I agree with. The the, the other thing that I I sem- somewhat agree with is that fear is a choice that we have the choice to believe the lies that our brain is telling us to talk us out of doing what we want to do, or we can trust the truth of technique. And that's where I get my athletes. So even with you, I would say if you are still hesitating, like we talked about off camera, Mm -hmm. start where you are, use what you can do what you have, or do, do what you can use what you have, right? Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can start at a place where you have a skill utilize your space to work on drills exhaust your understanding Mm -hmm. of the technique exhaust the understanding grow in your confidence of the motions the micro skills that are involved in making up the larger skill right so for a tuck i would say micro skills are the crunching motion that comes from trying to get your hips over your shoulders right and a lot of athletes struggle because they are just worried about pulling the knees you got to remember that the hip tuck that's why we call it a back tuck, because you're tucking your hips and crunching. We forget forward. about we forget about drills all the time, including all myself. Right. I, well, well, humans struggle from the monkey see, monkey do uh, uh-huh. d- dilemma or the that dynamic. You know, where we see something in 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 philosophy, it's called emergence theory, where you see something as a whole instead of its composite parts. So when I look at a dog, I see a dog, and I don't see four legs, a tail, you know, <laughs> a, a nose, and and two ears. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing very quickly because the brain needs to learn to take shortcuts right or else Mm. you'd spend most of your day processing all of the 35 you know friggin terabytes of information that our brain takes in every day yeah so you have to be able to quickly make associations and so when we see having that training we see someone do something we're just going to try to repeat what they did instead of breaking it down mastering the parts of what they did you know Mm. So uh, that's what I would say for you. If, if there, that fear that you are experiencing, that irrational fear is coming from discomfort, there is discomfort somewhere it, it, outside of just the physical uh, requirement from you. Mm-hmm. There's discomfort in you with that back tuck, whether it's your experience with it so far, having all this pressure put on you to get it, and you just feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. I can never get it. Like, you know, it's never going to happen. Whether it's you fell and you had that bad experience with falling, you know, like there is some discomfort that's been I've there. Before. Never, what would you say it is? I, 
I started cheer my senior year of high school. I started doing back tucks around, uh, I would say September. So September through, wow. yeah. So the senior uh, was September, and I don't know why. I just started becoming afraid of flipping because in my mind, I'm like, who flips? I don't think people should flip. I was going to say, like, you, you don't know why. Like, think about it. Think about what you just said. You who know, flips? No one. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't what, know. What no part one. of that? What part of that? And this is what I, I point out to my athletes. I'm like, you, I, I said it before. You were doing the antithesis of what the brain considers safe. Mm-hmm. You're doing the exact opposite. Like, no one looks at this and is like, oh, yeah, that's totally natural. Like, that makes sense. No, that's not it at all. So, like, literally, we are going against every ounce of sanity and logic to mm-hmm. be able to perform these skills. And that's why technique is so important because technique is a is the success story. Technique is formulaic and it's set up to – it's designed to succeed already. So we don't have to go through the what if with technique. We can say, hey, from A to B or A to Z, mm-hmm. this was already designed to succeed. And that's what we can do. So, you know, I'm, I'm confused, Coach Lane. I'm confused because my, my coach is saying, hey, let's use this mat. We're going to put it a little bit higher so you have enough time to rotate. And I tell my coach, are you kidding me? I'm not going to go any higher. I'm okay right. with being in the ground. Right, I'm okay. Right. I don't want to go like, like three or five more steps. There's no way, coach. Right. It's like, it's okay. I got you. This My coach was a flyer in college. And she had a small, little, like, wow. small coach. And she was spotting me. Wow. Back then, I was around 230. Right. I was a big dude because I just got done playing football. Right. And um, there's no way. No, but I was... Never underestimate your coach. Never. Right. She she was a beast. I don't know, she probably benched like 300 pounds or something. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but she rotated me. And I was like, man, this is not bad. But I've always had the fear. I don't know. I still have the fear, though. I yeah. mean, I haven't done it in months. Probably like probably a year now. Wow. Uh, I probably haven't done it in a year. But, I mean, I've lost some weight. So do you think – okay, another question. Do you think weight matters? I don't think it does because I've seen a lot of videos of actual people doing. But do you think it really matters of like the of the weight you're at? Like the physics like of the, the skill? Mind. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a factor. Like, let's be honest. It's a factor. But I don't think that at the end of the day, I don't think that it's going to um, determine whether or not you can do the skill. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's like, all about technique. It's all right. about technique. I, I even look at myself, to be honest with you. Like, I look at myself. I'm around your weight that you just mentioned. I'm mm-hmm. around 230. And even for me as, as a performance coach and as a former tumbler, knowing what it takes to tumble, I haven't done a back handspring and since I was like 215. That extra 15 pounds started creating this irrational fear like, oh, well, you're probably going to hurt your elbows or you're going to hurt your wrist if you try your back handspring. And so it's one of those things where – I, I understand the technique. I know the technique will keep me safe. I know the technique will allow me to do it successfully. But instead of just saying, well, I can't do it. I have a mental block. Um, I'm going to take that performance anxiety and I'm going to go back through my training, start where I can, uh, and and make sure that I'm in a safe 
low risk environment where I can at least attempt to perform the skill just focusing on the technique. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and see where that gets me. And, uh, but yeah, you know, so weight does play a role, but, um, it shouldn't be the thing that allows you to talk yourself out of attempting the skill. As long (laughs) as you're attempting it safely and you're Mm -hmm. focusing on the proper procedure, which again is technique. Yeah. I was at Michigan state and I was a little bit bigger because of, I blame the cafeteria. It was, the food was amazing. Okay. I blame it. You're right. I, I, I usually don't blame anyone, but I blame the cafeteria. MSU cafeteria was amazing. I mean, pasta, burgers, you name it. <laughs> I started gaining weight. So my pat, my fear just kept growing with a back tuck. Like, you know what? I'm getting sure. kind of big. And they didn't require a back tuck. You know, it wasn't really a yeah. thing. So I was like, you know, they don't require it. My mind's like super happy. I'm like, all right, let's just stunt. Let's not do yeah, the back let's tuck. Just, let's focus on other things. But something I want to transition to is there's a quote that says, what does everybody, what is everybody is somebody? Oh, everybody is somebody. Everybody is somebody. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what does yeah, it mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. So uh, everybody is somebody is a philosophy that I've adopted for my, my you know, specific brand of coaching. Uh, it came from my grandfather, Lane. Uh, who was a remarkable man. Unfortunately, I never got to meet him. He passed away two years before I was born. But uh, I've, I've heard of his, you know, my dad regales tales of my grandfather all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple years ago, my dad and my uncle took a, a picture in front of Grandfather Lane's tombstone. And mm-hmm. my dad has always told me that this was written on his tombstone, but it never really hit me until that moment of seeing that photo. They texted me the photo and I, I've never seen his grave in person. So seeing the tombstone and seeing his personal philosophy on that tombstone really resonated with me. And it said in my book and in the book of God, everybody is somebody. And it, it hit me that that's something that I inherited from him without even realizing it. You know, mm-hmm. when I'm coaching, I, I don't look at the athletes like, oh, well, you also have a, a quote unquote mental block. Oh, you also have trouble doing your back handspring here. Just fix it. Just do it. Let's do it this way. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, every single person is going to get personal attention because even though you coach Tony have a uh, coach, Tony, even though you, Tony <laughs> have everybody's a coach, right? Uh, <laughs> even though you have a, a fear with your back tuck and I work with 200 other athletes that I can pull out that also have fears in their back tucks. That's going to be 201 specific examples of fear. You know what I mean? Your fear, I'm, it might be similar. It might sound similar. It might be able, I might be able to diagnose and treat it similarly, mm-hmm. but it's something that is specific to you. So, so everybody. For example, so for example, one can have a fear of not getting off the ground. One mm-hmm. of them can be the fear of being at the middle, like being at the very top and not knowing what to do. Is that, yep. is that what? Okay. Yeah. And then to take it even a step further, you know, 150 of them could be afraid of leaving the ground. But let's say uh, one girl is afraid of leaving the ground uh, because of the pressure that she's struggling with that comes from her mom. And that mm-hmm. pressure uh, from her mom is because her older sister is such an overachiever and her mom always criticizes her for not being as good as her sister. Like I, these are real examples that I've. Mm-hmm 
was able to pull out of athletes. You know what I mean? Like in our, in our sessions together, um, let's say another girl is, um, uh, her fear of leaving the ground comes from a lack of control because her grandmother just died and she felt like she could have done more to, you know, help her grandmother be healthier during her life. Like it's crazy how deep these issues go. And that's why I think it's really important, especially in, in what we do, right? Cheerleading is probably one of the most dynamic sports out there. It's, it it requires so much of you. And one of the things, for instance, on the, on the topic of this or on this topic, one of the things I stopped saying as a coach was leave it at the door. Right. And this is many sports say this, like, I, I don't care what you deal with out there, but when you come through that door, you leave it at the door. And I stopped saying this because everything we do as human beings is emotional and psychological. Yeah, I agree. Everything. So it's really insensitive, even though I get it as coaches, we, we got, we got stuff to do, you know, we got to get it done. It's insensitive of, of us to ask athletes to disconnect or disassociate from their feelings and their emotions when they come into cheer instead of taking a moment. I talked to Kiara Nolan and she was telling me that her, uh, her coach at Baylor would actually, the first thing they would do when they get to practice, she would say, okay, is there anything that we need to address today? Anything that anybody's going through, anything that you're struggling with, like what do we need to bring to the table at the beginning of practice so that we can address it, talk about it before we jump into our practice. Right. So instead of saying, leave it at the door, I don't care about your feelings and your emotions or what you were dealing with. It was let's let's as a team talk about these things and work through them so that as a team, we can perform better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you yeah, manage so- you're, you're, you're an athlete. So when you have a new athlete, mm-hmm. a new face, how do you go about it? The very first thing I, I say is tell me what's going on. And, and when did this start? You know, I, I try to basically build a mental profile for each athlete that I work with. And I'm like, tell me, tell me what you're struggling with. What, what skill are we working on? Okay, cool. What are you struggling with? And then usually the next half hour is me asking why in different mm-hmm. ways, but just why, 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 why? why? Just asking me so many questions, right? Right, right. <laughs> I and, just want to learn how to do the back tech. But, this is but like, you know what's this is crazy? Cool. Yeah. It, what's crazy is like athletes will come to me expecting to just get to work. You know, like, okay, so we're just going to like, we're going to will this thing to go away. We're just going to work through whatever it is I'm struggling with. And then we sit there talking for 15, 20 minutes and they're like, wow, I've never thought of that before. Or, or wow, I've never realized. Right. You know? And so it's nice to be able to introduce them to the psychological and emotional side of their physical abilities. And then after that, Usually in the last, you know, like if I'm doing a half hour virtual lesson um, and the athlete and or parent who's there with them understands that, look, you're struggling with something mentally. Let's address let's address what you're struggling with. Mm-hmm. As long as they understand that, then usually like 25 minutes into that half hour lesson, uh, then we'll start with, OK, so here's what I want you to work on physically. Right. I also want you to work on the things that we talked about mentally. I want you to to start a fear journal. You know, I want you to start um, writing down. I want you to answer the why, you know, answer. If you know your why, you can always come back to that as your north star to help guide you um, uh, to to in and outperforming, you know, this, these fears that you struggle with. But my my focus and my goal is to help athletes to consistently and repeatedly outperform their fears. And I say repeatedly because that's what fear is. It's something that is recurring 
right? If, if your brain is going to regurgitate fear as a response to discomfort, there's going to be plenty of times where we're uncomfortable as human beings. So you got to be willing to go through this process repeatedly instead of, you know, how motivation culture says, you know, conquer your fears. You really shouldn't focus on conquering your fears because your fear is a part of you, you know, psychological, it's not going to go away. It might, that particular fear might go away, right. Or, or might subside because you Mm -hmm. gained confidence in that area, but there's still a possibility for, uh, for another fear to rear its ugly head because you're experiencing discomfort somewhere else. So, uh, something that's advice that pops up all the time now. You know, a lot of coaches are saying it, but you got to learn to become comfortable being uncomfortable on a daily basis in many different, you know, areas of your life. Yeah. So an example, I don't know if this makes sense, but an example. Try me. If, if I go and if I, if I had fear of going on a roller coaster, mm-hmm. it was kind of like maybe this, maybe this high, maybe this high, right? For example. And then I finally, finally went on the ride i don't have the fear anymore but then there's this new ride even higher right i just conquered that fear from this ride but now there's even higher that fear technically didn't go away right it just right it it dominated this roller coaster right but now it's like a new stage of fear like the new level so so then you technically didn't conquer it right you didn't conquer that fear you may have been able to outperform it do you see the significance in the rhetoric, uh-huh. right? Okay. You, yeah. you outperform that fear at that level and that outperforming that fear probably came from your repeated uh, 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 riding of that ride, right? So repetition and understanding are huge in allowing you and helping you to outperform fear, right? Mastering mm-hmm. the micro, as I, as I said before, like break down the micro skills. So let, let's say uh, you, you have a you have a fear of riding a roller coaster. And it's funny, Tony, because you keep mentioning height. You mentioned it when you were talking about the back tuck. You're about to pick my brain. There, about there, to there, take me to... there must be some discomfort with heights in your life. Yeah, I would say you're right. Am I afraid of lo- roller coasters? Not anymore. <laughs> ah. Three years ago, I beat that. So uh-huh. heights and roller coasters, I feel safe. There's seat belts. There's people. To there's guidelines for that, right? Mm-hmm. Skydiving, yeah, I might, I might, you know, shake but my hands, a process, maybe, possibly. Right? But you know, it's. I've but there's a process. It, so that, yeah, there's a process to it, right? There's gonna be fear. Oh, and, yeah. and, and, and after that first time, you're going to feel great because you're going to have the endorphins. You're going to have adrenaline. You're going to have all these biochemicals yeah. run, coursing through you. Dopamine. You're like, Hey, I did it. But then there is a possibility that that fear could come back in. It's not about conquering. It's about understanding it. Understand that your psychological fear is a response to your discomfort, which means you're most likely getting out of your comfort zone, which means that you're most likely about to try something new, 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 <sighs> is fearful to the brain, right? The brain hates new. It hates change. It likes mm-hmm. complacency and sameness. But outside of that zone of comfort is where success, uh, 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 growth, learning, all of that stuff happen. And it's funny because, uh, man, I, I hate to always use him as an example, but he's very verbal about the topic of fear. Will Smith has a very 
famous video where he's talking about skydiving and he's oh, talking I, about I watch it every single it? day. Well, not every single day, but I watch it when I when I need the videos because I'm yep. I rely a lot of on motivational videos to really inspire me or when I'm yep. feeling kind of down. So that's yeah, that's that's my playlist. So so you remember in the video he talks about how everything up until that moment where they essentially trick you out of jumping out of the plane, you know, mm-hmm. you're strapped to another person and they, he said that they'll jump on two because on three, most people grab the plane and try to stop. Yeah. Them, right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's that natural reaction. It's like, no, this, that's your, see, that's a great example of your brain calling your body into play for assistance. Right. Those that's what we call a knee jerk reaction. Knee jerk reactions are when your brain is attempting to get your body on board to help stop you from that intended course of action. But but what he says in that video is that every every good thing in life, all the best things in life, the things that you want are on the other side of fear. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I would I would argue that this is true. But it's, it's less about the fear. Most people focus on what they're afraid of instead of realizing that they're simply just afraid of being afraid. We're not actually like afraid of the roller coaster. We're afraid of the feeling of discomfort that is associated with the roller coaster, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to avoid that uncomfortable feeling. So yeah, uh, you you most likely outperform that fear of that certain height Hell of yeah. the roller coaster because I made that right. went on it repeatedly. <laughs> right? Oh yeah, yeah. I but I, you I conquered that right, and you had to go on it at least two or three times to be yeah. like, okay, I'm good here now. Now let's go for that other roller coaster. And so it's the same with your skills, right? Start again. Use what you have. Start where you are. Do what you can. Like it's it's right there in front of you. You have mm-hmm. the the ability to break down a, a, they 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 say uh 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 break down the elephant into tiny bite-sized morsels instead of trying to eat the elephant whole, right? So instead of trying to take this large task on or just repeating the successful process, repeating the successful result that you witness other people do, go back and study their process. You know, like so many of us will see somebody do something like, man, that's dope. I could do that. I got that. And then you fail and you're like, wow, maybe I'm not good enough. Or wow, that was really scary. Instead of saying, okay, there's a process to it. How about instead of, you know, trying to reproduce the results, learn the process and repeat the process. Because with repetition, confidence definitely comes because your your understanding grows and your competence grows. And you're like, wow, I really got this. I got a grasp on this. So, yeah, you're not conquering you're, you're over, maybe, maybe you're, you're, I I don't even like to say overcoming because those are both terms that, that communicate this idea that you are Mm -hmm. somehow like wrestling something, you know, like you're subduing something. Maybe past like the next level or. Yeah. I would say like you're, you're, you're level. It's like infinite, right? Cause there's the fear is kind of infinite. There's never an ending, but there's ways maintaining it. It's like maybe gaining and losing weight oh, like losing gaining weight like the weight is still going to be there like right. you're going to have weight no matter what weight so that's a good pound, that's a good analogy actually yeah like, yeah you can go up 220 30 right 200 right i i and i would say it's more about learning to coexist with your fear because we we're, we've given fear this negative connotation right yeah that fear is bad and again when you really think about it you're not really afraid of 
the fear. You're afraid of the sensation that comes with being afraid. So you you you're afraid of being afraid, essentially. Right. Wait, wait, what and, what about uh what about if you gotta go downstairs in the basement and the lights are out? Uh-huh. And you have to get something from the basement. Is that what are you fear? afraid of? Darkness. Are you afraid of the stairs? Are you afraid of what the if, darkness? What uh, if Chupacabra or like the Yorona is coming and <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that, what happened? Yorona, she's coming. Oh, no, I, I feel you, but no, it's it's not that you're th- those are those are irrational fears, right? Because, <laughs> yeah. Because to our knowledge, uh, uh, the Chupacabra does not exist. To our knowledge, right? To our and knowledge? it's not a not a clear and present danger in your basement. Bigfoot. I mean, Bigfoot right? might exist. Who knows? Right. <laughs> Are you actually, let me ask you this though. Are you afraid of darkness or are you afraid of what the darkness implies? Well, I'm not afraid. Well, it depends if, it's if a you were, house. but if I if, were, my fear would be something grabbing me or something just coming out of nowhere. I have to run like upstairs. So let me reiterate. Are you afraid of the absence of light or are you afraid of what that implies? Maybe I'm afraid of what it applies. Right? You're not afraid of the absence of light, right? Yes, it's uncomfortable being in the dark. Mm-hmm. And so in an effort to get you to escape the darkness, your brain is creating these lies about what could exist in the darkness. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. It's trying to get you out of that uncomfortable situation back to a place of comfort. Do you believe so, in ghosts? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I believe in ghosts, aliens. Would you be afraid if you saw if you saw a ghost or a ghost talk to you? If but see, yes. But now you're now you're <laughs> yeah. now you're going That's from biological. Is that biological? right? Wait, is is it though? That, now you're is going it, into the biological because now I have something that I don't understand. It's like that psychological and biological. Now not do only exist? do I have something I don't understand, but now it's physically interacting with me. Now now mm. now my fight or flight is kicking in. Do, what do I do to take action oh, to, to to get out of this potentially dangerous situation? Right? Who are you going to call? <laughs> Who are you <laughs> <Right>. call? <laughs> exactly, man. So it's it's really interesting. But I think that you're you're bringing up some some really interesting points because it's illustrating the importance of identifying your fear instead mm-hmm. of just using the umbrella. Oh, I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? Oh, I'm afraid of this. this. Why? And you would be, I really wish, I mean, on my Instagram, you can see tons of videos. I have a series called Open Mic on my IGTV where I was about to to mention that uh, later on, but oh, yeah, you talked about it. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm mic'd up doing my lessons and, and I did that because there were so many times where there was like these nuggets, you know, these teachable moments that I was missing. And so I started wearing a microphone. Um, shout out to my buddy, um, Gosh, I forget his Instagram profile, but uh, this guy in Germany that was doing the same thing. And I was like, yo, like, how, how is it that you're 20 feet away from the, the, the camera and I can hear you so clearly? Oh. He was like, I have a wireless microphone. I was like, that's mm-hmm. genius. So anywho. Pretty um, expensive too. It, actually, no, it was pretty inexpensive um, at, well, I mean, you get what you pay for. It was like $65 at Best Buy. Okay. There, there's there's one mic that's like 65 and then there was another i think i ended up getting the one that was more expensive of course i think i got the 199 version but it also doesn't work the best but now they have they had you know to take a, a little tangent they have uh uh these wireless bluetooth mics that clip onto your shirt they're like the first of their kind and uh they look awesome 
I, I intend to get at least two for me and sorry and about that. that are Strack, but you were saying no. with the so yeah with so with open mic um you'll hear so many times like they're they're me talking to the athletes and asking what they're afraid of and then asking why and you'll from those two questions you learn so much what they say they're afraid of is usually not what they're actually afraid of right i'm afraid of falling on my head why well because you know uh, i i you know it's when i jump and this and that and the other and it really boils down to okay so you're not actually afraid of falling on your head right you're uncomfortable with with let's say you're uncomfortable with your technique or you are uncomfortable with the sensation of jumping backwards or like it there's so, always something way more specific that is uh to that is that can define what you're actually afraid of than uh than what we you know put on the surface oh that makes sense yeah coaching i think i just you just like my brain's like you guys you, you guys think. should see this right now me and tony are doing a facetime while we're recording and his mind grapes just squished and oozed out of his ears that makes sense if you're confident with what you do there's no fear because you know the technique you know what's behind it yep. if you don't do something it's because you're not confident with the technique you don't exactly. know the technique. there's oh. dis- there's discomfort at some level of what you're doing and that for me if an athlete just won't like if i if they won't do the skill and then let's say they show me a video or i finally get to see them attempt the skill if i see that the problem is technique then i instantly know there you go there's your discomfort you are not comfortable in your technique and and i'm not saying you're not comfortable performing the technique mm-hmm. your discomfort in your safety is coming from a lack of technique. Does that make sense? Yes. Or or poor technique or bad habits in your technique. So uh, yeah, I'm so glad you had that aha moment because I, I and that's usually what I experience with my athletes is is that moment where they're like, oh, this entire God. time I was being a chicken. <laughs> Man, I could have had a back tuck. You going right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> You were seriously, you were just reacting the way that you could be expected to react. And here's the other thing I wanted to point out about your specific uh, example. You were thrown right into the deep end from the beginning. There was no lead up with technique for you, no. right? There was no like, acc- throw it. <laughs> there was no acclimation period, like what you were describing with the the roller coaster analogy. There was no acclimation to even getting used to the idea or the sensation of going backwards and let me tell you that your brain will fight you no matter how long you've been tumbling i think me and kiara talked about this no matter no matter how experienced you are there is always that fear that exists within you the focus however dims right the focus on your fear is less when your confidence is higher so i would say like look at your fear and your confidence as a scale right your irrational fear is always going to outweigh your confidence Mm-hmm. When you don't take the time to focus on developing your confidence as a skill in your skill. Yo, that that's mind blowing. You guys listening. I mean, I know maybe some of you guys can relate, but when, when I, when they said throw a tuck, let's start learning how to do a back tuck. They didn't really give me any, um, any techniques. There was no right. drills. It was kind of like, just here's just what you up. do. Yeah. Go straight up. And now and do then, it. Don't don't put your head like keep looking and at the very last second like your knees should come down and blah blah blah. You basically yeah. I was like okay cool. 
So that's where the fear started coming because I didn't know what to do. I didn't yeah. have the technique. Yeah. But when, but when so there were some other coaches or some other athletes were like, well, here, start doing these drills. I kept saying, well, I don't need the drills. I just need to, like, they kept <laughs> Look, saying, you, I've done the tuck before. I don't need these drills. Yeah. I don't need the drills. I just have to go shoot higher, jump higher, right. uh, be more explosive. That's in my mind. I'm like, I that's all I need to do. I mean, okay. I don't, I don't really need to do the drills. I don't want to waste my time doing them. That's back in, that's back in younger mm-hmm. Tony. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like come, some of the coaches were like, no, you have to do the drills in order for, to, to move on. I'm like, no. And I mean, I'm dumb. I mean, anyone, I mean, drills, but, drill, drills. Yeah. Get the skills. Yeah. Drills, get the skills, not just because of the physical aspect, but because you are developing confidence, competence, and control in your movement. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's the other, that's the thing we're trying to create a conditioned response to, uh, your discomfort with drills. That's what we're doing. Yeah. We're trying to get you to a point where you say, <clears throat> excuse me, where you say, okay, something's about to go wrong. I can either choose to freak out, which is going to cause me to get injured, and which is the the brain's natural response. This is what I was talking about, the, the, the backwards logic with the brain. Our brains have us lash out and do things in a panic, but that's 100% of the time what gets you injured, right? When you're in, a, a, in an area of no control or in a place of no control. Mm-hmm. So we have to recondition that natural response to be able to control ourselves and keep ourselves as safe as possible in those moments of, of panic. And this is all this information is in the book as well. I mean, there's even more information on the book yep. that you guys even haven't heard. And this, yeah, is some, that's true. this is some interesting stuff right here. Thanks, man. Holy. So, yeah, guys, please check that book out. And, I mean, hey. Please hit do. Up, hit up Coach Lane. I mean, hit me on, up. Guys. I am I am so – I am religious about my followers. I am religious about my audience. So I try to respond to it. Last name. He knows what yep. your favorite food, favorite right. color. <laughs> Maybe I don't go that sure. near like that deep. <laughs> but, sure like, pick your brain and make sure that that's whatever – whatever is going on in your head he'll make sure to right and you guys this is this is so funny because you're tony you're doing what i hope people do after a conversation with me about about fear is that now you're starting to rethink the way you talk about your fear 100 percent. you know i'm gonna go when when i go skydiving which is gonna happen at some point it's gonna happen i'm not gonna maybe maybe i probably will maybe i'll forget about this but no i'll probably remember be like coach lane said it's not about the fear, it's not about that fear that we all talk about. It's about the technique. All right, what do I have to do? Just listen to the instructors mm-hmm. and just jump. That's all you have to just listen. Just right. listen and, and 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 imagine like going back to what you were saying, like how you learned with, with your tuck. Imagine if you had a, a skydiving instructor that was like, okay, here's your shoot. There's the plane. Jump and I'll see you back on the ground. Right? Like. You're like, what do I do? I can't do like, it. Like, what the hell was that? Are you kidding? <laughs> like, you can't just do that. So, you know, that's why it's so important as coaches, any coaches listening, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not here to criticize anybody's coaching ability, but I'm, I'm just trying to stress the importance of deconstruction when coaching. Deconstruct the skill and communicate the skill in a deconstructed manner to, to help um, – especially first timers. And, you know, a lot of coaches make this mistake with guys, coaches and teammates. When they see a guy come on the team, they are so excited to have a guy because that means, you know, new strength in their stunts. And it means new Mm -hmm. tumbling possibilities on the floor. 
And it's not that guys are fearless. Like, let's just dispel that that theory and that rumor right now. It's not that guys yeah. are fearless. Fearless doesn't even exist. Like, fearless is a is a uh, in, an impossibility. Being void of fear is never going to happen. You're always going to have fear, and you should have fear because that, like, again, fear is your is your measurement stick for your comfort, right? Mm-hmm. It's, and when you experience irrational fear. For me personally, and this is why I recommend everybody doing, when you start to experience irrational fear, you should stop and say, okay, what am I doing different? What am what 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 is about to change in my life? Why am I feeling this discomfort? You know, what 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 does this mean for my emotional, mm-hmm. physical, oh. mental state? Mm-hmm. Right? And then use that as a measurement to say, oh, okay, so I'm about to okay, I'm about to go into some new area. Okay, okay. So now what do I need to know to be able to go into that area? But yeah, go, oh go, go for it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me ask you this. Uh, this is kind of out of topic, but still about fear. Okay, I'm, I'm with it. What about a girl? What about asking a girl out? For all my single people out there, oh, here man. we go. Here's some advice here we go. from the guru himself. <laughs> what is some advice for someone that is about to ask or attempting to ask someone, but that fear of getting rejected? rejected is there a structural is there unstructured way of doing this i will say this because i am definitely not the guru in this field no i just get some more (laughs) but i will say this that if you're gonna take my philosophy and apply it to dating two things you're gonna have to realize number one failure is necessary you have to be able to inoculate yourself to the sting of rejection right and that happens by getting rejected multiple times. Tony, you told me before concerning the podcast, how many no's you've heard when asking oh, people man. to be on the show right there with you for my podcast. Um, or when I've reached out to schools and say, hey, I'm a performance coach. I'm really good at this, that, and the other. I'd love to come work with your team. No. Okay, thank you for your time. Right? <laughs> a lot yeah. of us hate hearing no. Why? It makes you uncomfortable. And so mm-hmm. then you start to develop this fear that comes from not understanding that no is a part of the process. No is what helps create that growth because it's helping you to develop confidence. And it's funny because people are probably like, how is hearing no helping you to develop confidence? Because it's giving you the confidence to be able to repeatedly, in spite of knowing that no is an option, it allows you to continue to go out and keep trying, keep moving Mm -hmm. forward. So if you are in the dating world, and here's the thing, we have to be able to remove the emotion from the action, right? And this is a mistake I used to make all the time when I was dating. I was always asking from an emotional place, you know, would you like to go out with me? Would you like to go get a coffee, this, that, and the other? And hearing no would damage my emotional well-being, right? Instead of just saying, hey, this is just another person who has, who is completely within her rights to say yes or no. Right. And so it, it sh- it's, yes. right. It's, it's not a, um, it's not, uh, a dig on me as a person necessarily. It's just a no to the question that I presented her with. So you have to, number one, be okay with hearing no and be okay with failure. And number two, give yourself the time and room to develop that confidence. If you're nervous about asking, uh, people out, uh, on a date, then uh, maybe maybe the fear isn't right. The fear isn't approaching the person and asking the question. The fear is the possibility of the discomfort that comes with hearing no, right? Mm-hmm. Or even the discomfort 
of not knowing what they're going to say. That's that's another fear. Right. But there's discomfort there. So how, how do we work on that? Let's just start. I want you to approach five people, 10 people, 15 people that you don't know from Adam. I mean, I get it. Trust me. I know today's world. That's a lot more difficult to do uh, with six, you know, social distancing and, and everything, mm-hmm. but tender start, no. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> start inoculating yourself to that sting of rejection by asking perfect strangers. Hey, would you like to go get a coffee? I'm dead serious right now. Right. Go up to a person, perfect stranger and say, Hey, can I get you a coffee? Hey, uh, would you, would you like a hug? Right. And it's yeah. going to like, I'm, I'm looking at your face right now. You're like, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> I would never do that. But just think about how many, after 15 people, think about what that would do to your confidence, right? Think about what that would do to the thought of having to approach a stranger and how that would affect your ability to, now we're not talking about getting a yes or a no mm-hmm. for, to your question. We're simply talking about the action of going up to a person in spite of the possibility of hearing no, or you could take the Tim Ferriss approach and do the coffee test. Go into next time you go into Starbucks, ask for ten percent off for your coffee. Why? Just cause. Oh, just, just cause. Oh, or next time, oh, just cause. Yeah, yeah, just cause. Interesting. Go in to say, hey, um, by the way, can I get ten percent off on this coffee today? No, sorry, we don't do that. Oh, okay. Thought just thought I'd ask. What's the worst thing that can happen if somebody like if you if you ask a question and they hear no? What what is the worst thing that comes out of that? No, sorry, that's only for employee. <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. Just thought I'd ask. Like you're not losing anything by just asking. Yeah, facts. That's true. I don't know if that helps your dating life. No, no, guys, no. But uh, you know, yeah. again, I that's not my area well, are, of expertise. I mean, you got what seven billion people in this world? Come on. Yeah, you, you gotta. It's a numbers game. It's and you know what? I I did learn that too. That that it's a numbers game when you're reaching out to people, doing cold calls or whatever. Like let's say you do ten thousand emails asking if people want to you know have a tumbling clinic. I'm probably only going to hear from three percent of those. Like look at my look, look at my Instagram engagement. Right, thirty three point three thousand followers. Only about three percent of those people actively engage with me on a regular regular basis. So it's a numbers I mean, for- game. I mean, any Instagram, I think. I mean, you see some of the big Instagram people, 1.7, 2.5. Yep. It's like only 200,000 would probably like or 100,000. Exactly. So it's just, a, it's just a numbers game. But yeah, we, we have to inoculate ourselves to the sting of rejection and hearing no. And uh, I think once you get a grasp of that, even when you hear no, it's not that it's not going to sting, but it's not going to stop you. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're like, okay, I know that what I have to offer is still good. It just wasn't good enough for that person. Cool. Amen. That probably saved me a lot of time and hard. <laughs> you know? Amen. So let me ask you one more thing. Is there any last things you want to say to amazing listeners out there? I would say to understand that failure is not fatal. No, I'll just switch that around. Failure is not final and fear is not fatal. So when you're experiencing whatever comes out of either of those, take a step back, realize your potential, realize that you were designed for greatness in this world, that every single person born into this life is is born with greatness inside of them. And that doubting yourself 
in those moments of failure and fear keep you from being able to realize that greatness. So understand that there is a process to everything. Learn that process. Exhaust your understanding of that process. Put that process into constant, repeated, relentless practice and see what happens on the other side. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> that was that was clean. That Excellent. was clean, Coach Lane. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Guys, if you guys are new to the podcast, make sure to subscribe to the number one chilling podcast in the world. But yeah, go make sure to get his book. It's completely free. You do not lose anything. Now, of course, if you want to leave a dono, because if you enjoyed the book, which I'm pretty sure you will, because I enjoyed it. A lot of people, there's testimonials on this guy. Please do. Uh, but yeah, other than that, have an amazing day. Have an amazing night whenever you're listening. But yeah, I'll catch you guys on the on the next one. Okay, this is weird. Bye.